this is our desire to step into your presence and let you move on our hearts no matter what we've gone through this week no matter what we're facing next week we give you all the glory Father we welcome you Holy Spirit in this place and to those who are online we invite the Holy Spirit to move in their lives in their rooms, in their houses as they watch and tune in we thank you Father for being in this place today thank you Holy Spirit for moving on hearts and we thank you Jesus for doing what you did you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings and we give you all the praise today, hallelujah well welcome on the broadcast if you're tuning in thank you for joining us, welcome to Faith Life Preston it's a warm welcome today we have a bit of heat in the house, hallelujah we've last week we were a bit cold but there's some heat in the house so thank you worship team we applaud you we thank you for what you guys do and the faithfulness that you put into it hallelujah praise you father god you get ready. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 before we release, release the kids and we'll release the kids in a few, few seconds for the word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the divine asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him which whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but with, was in all points tempted like as we were. Let us boldly therefore, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help. <laughs> in need. Hallelujah. Parents, we know we need grace. Because <laughs> uh, our children are, are wonderful blessings of God, but they're also in our care. And uh, we, we always, um, we're always making sure that we have to stay on top, top of them. Well, let's let the kids go so, so they can have their own space. Uh, we, we love money. We love, our, I mean, please don't ever think that the children bother me. Um, I love what Jesus said. Let the children come unto me. So I'm not ever phased by children walking around. Now, if your child's screaming, I do invite you to uh, let them go out of the other room. <laughs> but if they're just uh, playing, hallelujah. I think I've lost my train of thought there. <laughs> hallelujah. Right. We're on law number, does anyone know? I've not written them down this week. What law number are we on? Are we on law number five? Five. 
Um, you do realize that when we get to law number 20, I'm going to start number one again uh, and just keep doing it in a cycle because I think they're really worth doing it. Can we turn to Matthew 25, 14 to 23? A little bit of scripture today with this one. I've actually, for some reason, I've not written in my notes what the law is. Hang on. <laughs> no, law four. Are we four or five? I've written, see, I've written four, but hang on. Change my notes. Law number five of the financial anointing is the law of servanthood. Now, if we go to Matthew 25, verses 14 to 23, I actually really enjoy this, this um, law. And I've, it might take me a while to get through this one. I might have to do it over two weeks. This is not for any um, reason looking at any single one of us to say that we don't do this. I think we're actually very good at this. But it's just to rely, uh, to make sure whenever we're preaching the Word of God that we're trying to align our minds up with what's necessary. So if there's something that's getting preached that you know something about, always make sure you're checking your heart and your mind to make sure you're lining up correctly because what happens with the Word of God is it will split aside the spirit and the soul. Remember what we said last week about the soul needing to prosper in order for us to be in health and prosper financially. We need our souls to be strong so the Word of God will cut through. And so when you hear a message that you say, I've heard that before, there's a good chance that you're missing something from it. Because when you're missing something from it, your attitude would be, well, I've just heard that before. There's nothing new here. And we all know this very well, that the Word of God especially, and God himself, is bigger than you and I. There are people who have got large personalities on the earth, some far bigger than mine, some far smaller than mine. But some people with big personalities sometimes can feel like they own the space, but yet God's still bigger than them. And you might think of yourself as being insignificant and small in personality, but God is still interested in you. So our soul must prosper, and our mental capacity and our ability to understand God's Word must always be on a, a hunger for us to desire to improve. Because when you improve your thinking, as a man thinks, so he is. So our thinking is, and our soul must be what is and needs to be accurately focused on or worked with so that we actually can prosper in the place of finances, but also even in the place of health. Um, if you're not careful, if you listen to what people say, uh, li listen to what they talk about, and uh, as me and Louise get older, we, we say, did, did, you know, we, we have friends who talk about different things and stuff like that, and you notice the language that people, some people are really good at finances and some people are really bad at health. And they'll say, oh, I'm getting older. Oh, it's, I'm now going to the gym because I'm older and I need to get through the aches and pains, but I don't recover. And they start talking about how their age is affecting them physically. That is because their mind is focused on what their body is giving them, the signals that the body is giving them. So in our finances, we've got to have the same... Uh, looking or the same thought process that says, well, I cannot look at what the situation is telling me, but I must focus and understand on what the Word of God is telling me. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14, it says this, For the kingdom of heaven 
is a man traveling into a far country. He is called, who has called his own servants and delivered them to them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took off on his journey. Then he had received the five talents, went and traded with the same. Sorry, the one that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them five more talents. Likewise, he that received two, he also gained another two. If you just jump down, after a long time, their master returned from the trip and called them to give an account on how they'd used the money. The servant to whom he'd entrusted the five bags of silver came back with five more, said, Master, you've given me five bags of silver to invest, and I haven't earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Remember that phrase, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will now give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Law number five, the financial anointing, is the law of servanthood. It's very interesting to me to preach a message like this. When pioneering a church, you see lots of things happen and different people and different things happen. And you begin to realize over a period of time how important what Jesus is talking about. People with one talent multiplying nothing versus people with five talents multiplying it, four talents multiplying it, whatever. And you notice different things. And it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, it says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good, good news. We all know that Paul didn't start out as an apostle. He started out killing Christians, having a radical conversion experience, and then spending years um, aside learning about what God's, the revelation that God gave him. But he became a slave of Christ Jesus so that he actually then could become an apostle and be sent out to preach his good news. Listen to what this says here. You're, you will always be limited if you see yourself as a free agent, not, you are not your own. The word slave obviously has horrendous connotations in this world. There's very much still a slave trade in this world of human trafficking and things like that. So it's a horrible word to use. But the mentality must be understood. That in order for God to be able to use you effectively and increase your life, you have to actually be 100% committed to Him. That means 100% committed to His plan and not you deciding your plan for Him. Too many Christians have made their own decisions and not allowed God to be the one who's led them and they feel like they can make a left and right decision too easily. When the path is very clear in front of people's lives, they make a turn a left because they feel like it's the path's the wrong one. 
And I'm sure I, I've told the story a few times of me and Louise making those kind of mistakes. We've, we've gone after and chased our own dreams because we felt the path before us wasn't correct. But when we understand that servanthood, and if I use the word servanthood, I really mean slave. <laughs> it's not like a, like a, ooh, I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. But realistically, we're slaves from the perspective of we are not our own. A slave does not own his own possessions. A slave does not own his, uh, where he lives. A slave does not own, a slave basically says that I have been bought with a price, so I have to serve that, that master. So the increase that we want financially, the increase that we were, are looking for in a flow of finances, it, it, I'm starting heavy on purpose to try and get us into our thinking. Good servants who see everything they have as coming from God's hand and know they are expected to use it to produce his kingdom, that person will prosper. Hear what I said. A good slave or a good servant who sees everything that they have as coming from God's hand and they know that they are expected to use it to produce for his kingdom, that person will prosper. The master gave five talents. That five talents guy produced another five talents, not for himself, but for his master. And when you put this in context of all the other, the other financial uh, laws that we've talked about, contentment, um, positive outlook, and all this kind of stuff, this is sitting nicely in all of those because we understand that when we're believing God for more money, believing God for our needs to be met, in fact, when you understand you're a slave to God or a servant to God, you ask for a slave does not ask his master to feed him. A slave gets fed because he needs to be fed to produce the work that he has been bought for. And I know it's a horrible way of uh, presenting this message, but if we use the word servant, quite often you might think of an employee. An employee is not being bought by the employer. An employee can be fired. An employee can be just quit. A slave cannot quit. In fact, a slave who becomes free has had to pay his way somehow away from the master. And so a Christian who does that is on very dodgy ground because he's not recognizing the price that Jesus Christ paid on that cross for us. And I know everyone in this room and I'm believing everyone who's watching online on the broadcast understands where I'm coming from, understands my heart on this. It's, this isn't me trying to dig, dig up anything uh, wrong. It's just trying to show the importance and the value that God has placed on your life through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a, 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 a finance, for us to... to to expect God to bless us and to prosper us. Yes, we're children of the Son. We are children of God. We are Abraham's seed, but we're also in a position where we have been paid for. Now we're raised up into sonship. We're raised up into heavenly places. We're sat beside Father God. And we have a certain amount of authority 
But we ha in our mentality, we should never take it for granted that we've got authority because just for the sake of authority to get our own stuff. We don't throw mountains into the sea and believe God for nice cars to drive down a, on a Friday night at 11 a.m. picking up women. We don't do that, do we? Because that, one, it's wrong. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you didn't understand where I was going with that, it's not the right thing to do. But when we, when we are functioning on, and working with God and what we're trying to see God do in our lives, it's based on a relationship that says, God, you're my father. You're, you're everything in my life, but you're also my master, my boss. My, you tell me where to go and what to do. And I'm telling you, that slave mentality shifts into sonship. Because it, of course, talks in Galatians that we're no longer slaves, we're free. But if you have a mentality that understands that I've been bought with a price, that what I'm going to do, my life is not my own anymore, and I'm going to serve Heavenly Father with everything that I've got, all my finances, everything, everything that I do, everything that I think about, everything that my kids being brought up in an environment of Christianity, all that is based on the fact that where we're going in God is amazing. People say things like this. I have my thing. I, I have my life. I'll get in touch with you when I need something. I'll go to church. I'll pop some money into the offering when I feel like it. Or what about this? I've been coming to church for 25 years, but I still don't get the point about tithing. People are like that. And we are not like that, though. Our money is not our own. 100% of what we have is God's. The tithe is a response that we put into the offering to a command by our general, our commander-in-chief. We live in obedience when we tithe, but all of our there's a big but in this. All of our money must be free to be used by God, the boss, to be used by him and how he sees fit. This is how the financial anointing works. Why am I stretching, the, stretching this so far? Because you can operate on a limited level of finances. That's fine by me. If that's what all you want to do, I don't believe anyone in this, in this congregation wants that because when we have vision in a church, it's going to require finances. And vision requires finances beyond what the current level that we're at. So that means every single one of us goes, I've got five talents. How can I make it ten talents? How can I be a better usher? How can I be a better welcome team member? How can I be a better media team person? How can I, as Andy, preach better? Get the word in me more. How can you do the same thing? And it, what God sees when we are in that attitude of, God, I will do anything for you because I know the price has been paid, then he's going, okay, this person I can use. And every single one of these people in this room, I believe, can be used financially. Remember this, money is entrusted to you for his kingdom. And Isaiah 65, verse 24, says something very interesting to the person who believes, the person who has a relationship with God, the person who is completely submitted to his will. It says, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Have you ever had a need met before it's become a need? That's joyful. 
I, there's times when I bought my children things like the, 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 the fashionable drink right now is Prime. I mean, it's probably just about gone out of fashion, but they, they, they still enjoy it. So when I buy them a Prime and they don't, they've not thought about it, and they're, they're excited to get it because it's, it's done something for them without them having to ask for it. Our Father wants to actually meet your needs before you even see them as needs. In fact, He does it all the time. We just, but the reason we don't see it is because it never becomes a need. When your wife's already cooked the meal, when you come home and you don't have to ask for the meal to be cooked, it's, it's the needs be met without it becoming a need. Never happens in my house. We work at home, so um, I will, I'm always there before the food. And that, if you think about the service industry, McDonald's and Tim Hortons and all these kind of guys, they exist to try and be as fast as possible to meet the need of the customer who comes through the door. You see, our God wants to meet your needs before you even ask him. He wants to bless you before you even, uh, you even ask. And that is because there's a relationship. I hugged Veronica today before she hugged me. I pre preempted it. God wants to do some preempting in your life. But this is where servanthood comes. And that word, I don't want to keep using the word slave because I don't want it to come across in a negative connotation. But I use, I use that just to give us that, that idea of how committed we should be and how involved our life is. But servanthood, the willingness just to serve him and to give him all the glory every single day of our life. And that is hard to do sometimes when you start dealing with life. But what I love about God and what I love about this word, because I said to Louise, I've had, we've had some struggles lately and some things happened in our lives and some stuff going on. And I've said to Louise, there's nothing else I can preach I've said to Frankie, if I'm, if I'm not careful, I, or if, do I have to like back off a little bit and make it, water, not water it down, but back it down and simplify it or something? Do I need to pull back off of it? But there's nothing else for me. Where, where am I going to go? I know this word works. I know the word of faith works. I know the presence of God is real. I know that the, when two or three are gathered together, he turns up. But he also turns up in an environment that says, God, we expect you. We know that you're here. We know that you're victorious on the inside of us. I know that I am in life to reign as a king. What else can I preach once you know that victory has been given to you? What else do I preach when I know that the love walk works? What else do I preach when I know that given it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall it come back into my hand? What else do I preach when I know that Jesus became poor so that I might become rich? What, do I, what else do I preach if I start, when, when I know that by his stripes I was healed? Not I'm going to be healed, I was healed. And the word of faith says we call things that be not as though they were. We pull from the, the spirit realm into the natural by the words of our mouth. We pull by the financial anointing, the money that we need to just go forward every single time. There's nothing else to preach in my eyes but complete victory. If you're not there yet, 
it's on its way. If you don't see it yet, keep going. If you don't know it yet, keep believing. Keep confessing. In due season, you shall reap if you faint not. You see, we didn't face gladiators in the Colosseum. Just being in Rome this last week, you're just reminded of the the immense size of this thing, this Colosseum, and how it's withstood. In fact, the church, I, I didn't know this, but the Vatican actually built the Vatican City on the other side of the river to get as far away from old Rome as it could because it wanted to build something amazing that was bigger than the Colosseum, bigger than all this kind of, to try and reject all the past that was was behind all the sacrifices, all the, the evil worship and stuff, that they, they separated themselves as much as they could, but they still couldn't get rid of the Colosseum. In fact, there was a temple that they tried to pull down. They couldn't pull it down, the Christians, so they had to build a church inside this temple. That's how magnificent these, these structures were that mankind built. But we've never faced anything like that in our lives, where you're going to be slaughtered for your faith. It's like what's gone on in Israel. It's like somebody tweeted the other day or said, oh, if, if Hamas put down their guns... Today, there would be peace in Israel. If Israel put down their guns, Israel would not exist. And that's a simple fact. Because the minute Israel put down their guns, they will just be walked all over. The church of Jesus Christ cannot put down its weapons. If the devil would leave us alone, we wouldn't worry about him. But if we put down our weapons, if we put down the weapons of our warfare, if we put down the name of Jesus, if we put down giving and giving back, if we put down tithing, the devil will walk all over our lives because he does not care if you die, live, are sick, are healthy. He does not care. He will destroy you. He, his, his, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's who he is. That's my God, the God I serve. The God who says, my servants, the people that commit to me, the people that keep going, the, the people that produce with me, I can give them more. I can heap blessings on them. I can pour into their lives. That's the financial anointing that we step into because of our commitment and our faithfulness to him, our servanthood to him, our commitment. That's a strong message, isn't it? But you know what? I would rather be strong than weak, beaten up, walked all over. Christians, they say, should turn the other cheek. But it doesn't say in the Bible to let that other cheek be hit. You don't put down your weapons of your warfare. We don't fight against flesh and blood, thank God. But when flesh and blood comes at us, motivated by spirit, we've got authority. If you never tire of advancing God's kingdom, God will never tire of blessing you. As soon as you tire of advancing God's kingdom, God will tire of blessing you. That kind of goes against the whole message of, it's okay, if you make a mistake, 
God still loves you. There's always grace. Of course there's always grace. Jesus died for you. You can mess up big time and he still loves you. But you don't go out and do it on purpose. You don't just let it just slide and just think, oh, it's okay. As parents, when you let your kids get away with stuff, it never benefits anyone. Even though you're tired and grumpy and you just, just want to let them get away with it. It never works. God's not going to let you get away with stuff for long. Because you're a believer. You're somebody who's significant. As I try and close this up so we can move on. When you receive the financial anointing, money becomes something that does not concern you. Money is continually a concern when you don't have the financial anointing. The more laser-focused you are on advancing God's kingdom, the more the blessing of God follows without effort. There's some time involved in that. Some of us may feel like we've focused on advancing God's kingdom at the loss of everything else in their life. But there's paydays coming. Develop a significant mindset. When you're serving God, you're doing something significant. Even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Significant seed, significant harvest. Consistent seed, consistent harvest. Ask God to empower you to fulfill his dream on earth and he will give you the power to get wealth. If you need to increase your capacity for growth, listen to this as I, as I ask Veronica in a second just to come up and explain to the people on the broadcast how to give. If you need to increase your capacity for growth, Listen to me on this, and this is a big one for myself, and I, I've had to remind myself of this. If you need to increase your capacity for growth, maybe you feel like it's just too much pressure. There's just the, I can't do anything more. Apply the revelation that you have received, or that revelation that you've received will die without bearing fruit. If God's told you to do something, get on with it. If God's revealed something to you, keep doing it. Words of faith, words of life was revealed to me but through, through the pastor, through Pastor Joel. I have to work that now. I have to take that on board and work it. God may have said something to you recently. And if you are finding yourself frustrated or rubbing up against something as if, and things aren't quite working, go check back and see what God's told you to do. The law of servanthood. If I never tire of advancing God's kingdom, God will never tire of blessing me. So much teaching these days has been about God helping your dream come to pass. Hasn't it? 20 years of teaching. What's your dream? God will get you through that and God will help you. What happens if you flip it and realize that God's dream, God has a dream, and he wants that dream to come to pass. And if you get involved in it, wow. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel is God's dream for mankind. Multiplication. Talents, talents, talents. We look at talents being someone who can sing. And then people like Frankie get upset because they don't get asked to sing. 
she can sing. Just possibly not in the same letter that is used to... Um, well, we notice it. Well, you, let's let's be, let's look at the, last week. One of the songs went a little bit off, didn't didn't it, Holly? Because the key was the different key than they normally sing it in. So it was hard work for Holly to sing that song. I won't say which one. You can go back on last week on the podcast and try and find it. But it was hard work because the key was different. When you're out of sync with God, things are difficult. You may be singing the same song that the angels are singing, but you're off key. You can preach anything, I'm telling you. You can preach anything. Frankie, if you don't sing, you're in key. Wow. <laughs> so you're in sync. <laughs> Make a joyful noise, I know. If you buy into God's dream, he will release some things on the inside of you that go beyond your dream and include in his dream what's on the inside of your heart to do. He gives you the desires of, the desires of, of your heart, doesn't he? But you can flip that two ways. You could say he gives you what you think you want or he places inside of you the desires that you have. And those desires are his dream for your life. So buy into that. Work with that. Hook up with someone else's vision occasionally. And God's going to do some great things in your life. Well, Veronica, come up and uh, take it from me for a few minutes. She'll be up. Hello. Morning, everybody. Morning. Welcome to everybody online. Well, are we ready to advance the kingdom of God through our giving this morning? Um, yeah, just what Pastor was just talking about there. It, it's so key. It's so true. And it's so, yeah, I mean, it's so liberating to, to just be able to do the will of God. Um, the other night, I was sitting in my house and I was just sitting, not thinking about anything in particular, and I just felt God tell me to do something financial, and I didn't even hesitate. I just got went on in my banking app and, and did what I felt God was telling me to do, and we can do that because we do not fear lack. I didn't think, how much money have I got in my bank? Can I afford to do that? No, I heard God speak to me. And it was just like, okay, you know, because I know that if God has told me to do something financially, there's something else that he wants to bring in financially or otherwise. So don't be afraid. You know, you can't serve two masters. My master is my God. And if he tells me to give everything that I own, that's what I'll do because I don't feel lack because I'm a child of the king. So that said, have we got the QR code? No, yes. So we've got the QR code in the building this morning. So you can scan that QR code or you can go to faithlifecenter.com forward slash give, press on, press, press on Preston. Or you can do by direct debit or online or whatever. Or you can give in the building through the buckets or on the little cash machine at the back, which is very simple, very easy. 
bam, bam. But just remember, if God speaks to you about anything, just do it. You cannot be disappointed. Amen. So, Father God, we just, we, we just thank you for the privilege, Father, of being able to advance your kingdom. It is a privilege. We thank you, Father, that everything that we have already belongs to you. So we're not, we're not given ours. We're just giving back what's yours. So we thank you, Father, for every gift, every tithe that is brought into this storehouse. Father God, give us wisdom and how we sow that seed. But we just thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing. And we give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Veronica is a, a great way every week of just summing up what I say. Lovely. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really I'm grateful for what Veronica brings to this church every week. Hallelujah. Um, well, thank you, Father God, for this church and for the people in it. Thank you, Father, for everyone who watches online, and, and we just give you all the praise for that. I give you all the glory for this meeting. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do what you need to do. Speak through me. We come boldly to the throne of grace, and we receive grace and mercy in time of need. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your words. Hallelujah. I don't know if you need to turn me down on the gain a little bit. Something's echoing. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but I can. Um, and if that's too low, <laughs> turn me back up again. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. Right, well, we're just going to continue what we started last week. Words of life, words of faith. I, I, um, I'm of, the, of a, an opinion that this message of confession, speaking the word of God, uh, declaring it, to see it come to pass, that's kind of been lost in my generation and younger. We've, uh, I'm not saying it's, been, it's disappeared. I'm not saying people don't talk about it. People always quote that scripture verse, the power of life and death is in the tongue. But a a having a real revelation of this, of what words do to complete what you need to achieve in your life is something completely different. God, Pastor Joel, uh, prayed for me, uh, and just he just literally just walked past, put his hand on my head, and says, words of life, words of faith must be spoken. And um, I've listened to another minister recently, and he says this, whenever you're facing something in life as a preacher, you should really try and preach your way through it. So if you're facing health issues, you preach on healing. If you face financial issues, you preach on finances. So, And we've also spent a lot of time talking about the rhema, fresh word of God coming to you. And when you hear that fresh word of God, what do we say? Do it. You have to work with it. It's working. You are co-laborers with God, aren't you? Me and you don't just do our own thing, and we don't just let God do his thing. You find out what God's telling you to do, as a servant, as a quote-unquote slave, as him being the master and boss of our life, we submit to what his will is for us. 
But there's a lot that needs to be done in your place of your life. There's a lot of direction that needs to be focused on, a lot of, of outworking of God's word. The, when Jesus told the man to rise up off your mat, pick up your mat and walk and pick up your mat and run, if he sat there and looked at him and said no, he wouldn't have got up. I've heard, I think it was Brother uh, Hagen talks about this, where God told him to go lay hands on, on some wheelchair people or something or speak to him. He went down the line and three people got up and the last one just looked at him and says, I can't. They just literally watched three people get out of a wheelchair and they said they can't. So the power of God, I've also told this story of, of um, when there's this arthritic lady in Brother Hagin's ministry who was just crippled and she just could not move and nothing about it moved. And so Pastor, um, Brother Hagin spent some time praying about it. God said, go to the room, go to the other side of the room and speak to the lady and tell her to get out of the wheelchair. He took a few women with her, the praying people of the church, and they went and prayed with this lady. And he basically said exactly what he saw in the vision. Get out of the wheelchair, whatever it was, he said. And she literally rose out of the, air, the wheelchair, hovered, not like walked. Literally, God lifted her out of the wheelchair, two or three inches, four or five inches, whatever. And she looked at herself, pulled on, put her hands on the wheelchair, and pulled herself back in and says, I can't. So the power of God in full demonstration does not mean that you will receive your healing or your financial prosperity. And this is a key, a big, big key. Because you could be walking down the road with 16 angels with trumpets blowing. You could be walking down the road, water rising up. You could walk into the, to the, across the Red Sea, get to the other side of the Red Sea, and then sit there and moan for 40 years and die in the wilderness. With God in the wilderness, time and time and time again, providing for everything that you, and you never enter across into the promised land. Now, the promised land is uh, actually really a, a sign of, of, of the believer crossing into the fullness of what God has, baptism of the Holy Ghost, salvation, all that stuff. The, the, the Egypt is the old life. But you can get stuck in between what God's taken you out of into a position where you just go round and round and round in the mountain. And I, 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 I don't know if some of you are too old or too young to remember when it's got, you've gone through it in your life. But I've gone through rounds of mountains. So it could be little. It could be having chocolate cookies every single day at a certain time because you're addicted to them. And you want to stop eating cookies, but yeah, you just, every time at two o'clock on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, you just think, I need some chocolate. But it becomes a habit. But if you're also living in a lifestyle of the wilderness, you, it can become a habit. Do you know it can be, you can become um, addicted to whinging and complaining? You can become addicted to just living and scraping by living miracle to miracle, paycheck to paycheck. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Going from paycheck to paycheck and just basically scraping through 
and just basically, I've done it, I've made it. Thank God I can rejoice all my needs are met according to his riches and glory. But you see, you know, God wants you to actually go into the promised land. God had no vision and desire for these, these millions of Jewish people to get dead in the wilderness. People will preach wilderness experiences and say, oh, isn't it wonderful when God leads you into the wilderness, he's going to teach you something. You know what he's doing? If you're in a wilderness experience, according to the Bible, according to the Jewish people, he's going to kill you. If you have to go into a wilderness experience, God's trying to kill some stuff off you. So don't get rejoicing if, you got, got a, if you're in a wilderness. Start, start cutting some stuff off because you could quickly be no longer around. We could go through across the Jordan, round Jericho, flatten some walls, kick out some Midianites, kick out some Amalekites, whatever they're called, Amalekites. That's what God's desiring for his body, for us to go through into a land of milk and honey, of complete overflow, complete blessing. And it's going to take a few things. In Matthew 12, verse 36 to 37, it says this, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words you shall be condemned. That sounds a lovely passage of scripture, doesn't it? Especially to people like me and Frank who don't stop talking. You know what idle means? Inoperative. Words that have no effect or meaning or are empty. Me saying hi to somebody isn't empty, it's positive, it's life. But me talking about the weather for the 16th time in the day, and everyone goes talking about the weather again, worthless. Especially when you can get the weather on your phone, or you can look outside. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, and we've gone through this scripture verse quite a lot over the last year and a half or so. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Remember what we were talking about, the fire at the end of, of our life, that God's going to put everything that we do through fire, everything going to put and see what's left over. Well, Matthew twelve thirty six says, As every idle word that you speak, they shall give account of, therefore in the day of judgment, for thy word, by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words shall you be condemned. John 6.63 says this, It is the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And then when John 14.10 comes along, Believe thou that not that I am in the Father and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father. John 14, 23 says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him, or make our home with him. So the Spirit makes alive. 
and the words that Jesus spoke are spirit and they are life. And then he says, the words that I speak is not of me, but they're the words that the Father speaks that lives inside of me. And then he says, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him. How important are words? If Jesus' words are life and spirit, there's another opposing force in this world that also speaks. What are they going to speak? Death, destruction, fear. Remember what Jesus said to Jairus? Fear not, only believe. Because he knew at that moment that the servant came to Jairus and told him that his, servant, uh, that his daughter had died, that he knew that if Jairus agreed with that person, he would be flip-flopping from what he had already said to Jesus. And what did he say to Jesus? If you come to my house, my daughter will live and not die. But you see, James says, what a double-minded man will never receive anything from God. So you can't go one direction and suddenly flip to the other side and expect to get the middle road. What God has for your life requires you to speak life. Speak abundance. Speak prosperity and health and healing. There is an action to your faith, and the primary action of your faith is through your mouth. Words of faith, words of life must be spoken. When you're dealing with your family, when you're dealing with your uh, business, when you're dealing with your marriage, when you're dealing with this church. We speak words of life over this church. We speak words of abundance over this church. We speak victory in this church. And I speak victory into every single person at the sound of my voice. If you're watching online, I speak victory into your life. But me speaking it over you is not going to cause you to walk in victory unless you grab a hold of it and start speaking it to yourself. Because you believe you Father, far more than you believe me. The job of a preacher is to preach righteousness. It's to proclaim the gospel. It's to proclaim it with an anointing that comes on every single one of you that allows anointing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying power to operate in your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but you hear the word of God more accurately when Robert speaks it to himself than when I speak it to Robert. Have you ever had someone pat you on the back and say, I love you, you're doing an amazing job, and you sat there going, you liar. I don't believe you. I didn't do an amazing job. I know I've, I've had that in my life where, where someone's tried to encourage me and I just didn't believe them. But if I encourage myself in the Lord and I get to a place where I encourage myself, then my level of encouragement will actually, I, I actually noticed it this morning really strongly. I woke up this morning getting ready to go to church, um, and I just started saying this simple thing. The Word of God is, mighty, is working mightily. The Word of God is working inside of me. The Word of God is working mightily, and the Word of God is working inside of me. And something on the inside of me, I noticed it just start to bubble. Hang on. Didn't notice that when I first said it. 
But the third or fourth time, something on the inside started to bubble up and just go, yes, the Word of God's working in me. Yes, the Word of God is working inside of me. Yes, the Word of God is working mightily. And remember what we said in Numbers 13, 33. There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. What you see of yourself is actually going to be reflected on to other people. Sometimes you'll see it in business and you think someone's really confident, but really deep on the inside of them, there's no confidence. And if you are attuned as a business manager or a worker, whatever, you'll notice what that person thinks of themselves. Even if they're giving it all out there and I'm the best and the, and the whatever. And sometimes it looks like these people who are project this big amazing thing, they get promoted faster. And sometimes it looks like that, but sometimes it, there's something bothers you on the inside and says they're not as confident as they say they are. Because what they see on the inside eventually will come out. Our confession or our proclamation of God's word is crucial in our success and our victory. Where we go in this life is dependent on the steering of the ship of our words. James says it, the tongue is a small instrument, but it steers the course of your life. It steers like the rudder on a ship, steers the ship, your tongue. Why is the tongue so important? Well, Mark 11, 23, and it says, let's go there. Well, I'm going to go there. You can go there if you like or not. I've focused a lot over the last few months, six months, and on verse 22, and it says, have faith in God. And I want us to remember, have faith in God. Or Jesus says it in my margin, it says, have the faith of God or the God kind of faith. In order to have the God kind of faith or have faith in God, you need to read the next verse. But the trouble is most people read the next verse and don't get it. So they back off of it and just say, have faith in God. Trust in God, it'll all be all right. Well, Jesus didn't say trust in God, it'll all be all right. Jesus said, have faith in, in God and then you do something about it. It says, you will have whatsoever you say. It doesn't say you'll have whatsoever God says. It does not, the Bible does not say that God will do it for you. Why? Because the Bible says he already has done it for you. There's a small difference in language there, but people miss it because they think, oh, God's going to do it for me. I'm going to get the victory. God's got the victory for me. Six months, I'll have the victory. Well, no, the victory is already yours. Jesus has already won. Jesus already has paid the price. Jesus has already healed your body. Jesus has already met all your needs according to his riches and glory. Most people aren't on the path that they need to be on to, to get to the place where God's already done the job that, they, that he said he would do. If you're off path and the, the train of provisions here and you're all the way over there, you're not going to get it. Now, thank God for grace and thank God for mercy and thank God that God loves you because if he didn't love you, some of us would really be up the path without a paddle. 
But you see, the kingdom of God, and it says it in Mark chapter 4, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scattered seeds on the ground night and day. What does it say a few verses before that? The sower sows the, the word. And so basically, the word is the seed. So if the sower sows the word, and the word is what is necessary for you to put that what's coming out of your mouth into your heart to allow your heart, the heart is the place where the seed goes. The seed goes into your heart. The seed doesn't go into the ground. I mean, I had an argument. With, it, was, it wasn't such an argument, but it was kind of a, a, an argument discussion with somebody because when I preached Mark chapter 4, the sower sows the word, I was saying that the sower sows the word into their own hearts, and they were trying to say it's an evangelistic message. The sower sows the word into other people's hearts, and whether they receive it or not, da 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 da, da. Let's just go there. The sower sows the word, and they, the, uh, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who had, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when afflictions or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And when these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things, entering and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Now, of course, you can interpret it, me preach the word into your heart. But I want to take it a little bit further about you preaching the word into your heart. The sower sows the word. The sower is you taking the word and putting in. The kingdom of God is where? It's in our hearts. And everything that Jesus talks about in this chapter is talking about the kingdom of God. He says the candle put, uh, he said, In verse 21, is a candle brought to you to put under a bushel or under, or under a bread and not to be set under a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was it. He's talking kingdom principles. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24. Take heed what you hear with what measure you met, um, hear it. It shall be measured unto you. And unto you, the, it's these I'm, I'm, I'm going too fast. I can feel myself going too fast because I'm reading the King James. I think that's the problem. Let me go to Mark chapter 4 in the other Bible. Pay a closer attention to what you hear, verse 24. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, but to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Your understanding of the word. Pay close attention to what you hear. What do you hear the most? Do you hear my voice when you talk? or your voice, is what I'm trying to get to. It's more important that your words are correct because your words will affect your heart more than my words could ever affect you. You can choose. If I, if I just put, put you up against the wall and screamed at you and cursed you out, you could choose to ignore every word that I said. 
if I, if I put you up against the wall and loved on you and, and just said amazing things about you, you could choose not to be affected by what I say. In fact, you should not be affected by what anyone says because you are, in fact, dead. <laughs> you are not your own. So praise or, or, or somebody tearing you down should never affect you. It's hard. But that should not be the primary source of what you have in your heart. What the primary source of what you have in your heart is what you say. What you talk about. Why was Joshua told to meditate on the word day and night? Because if he didn't meditate on the word day and night, what would he be meditating on? He'd be meditating on the situation and the circumstances. For you and I to see the abundance of what God has on the in store for us on the inside of us, to go through the fire at the internal judgment, to let everything that we have done burnt up and to only be left with what God has, has put in our hearts. And because we're so effective in what we're doing in our lives, there's nothing much to be burnt off. We go through judgment. We, we go through what God's got for us in, 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 in that final end period of life. And we look back over our lives and we think, wow, if I just focus on his word and the words of spirit of life, the words of victory that he's given us, I'm going to actually come to the end of my life and God's going to be able to say, good job, well done, you faithful servant. Because if you're speaking words of life, what's happening in your life? You know, your body is going to produce life if you speak life. It's the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ that lives on the inside of you makes alive your mortal body. That's going to be pulled out by your words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But to act on the word of God, you must speak it. It's words at the end of the day. We've talked about a lot about rhema being the spoken word. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's sleep, asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for harvest time has come. Let me slow down a little bit. This parable, the growing seed, in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, if, you, if I missed telling you that. It says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. What did it just say? The sower sows the word and scatters it on the ground. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. The seed is what? The word. Where's the seed going? Into your heart. The kingdom of God is in your heart. The ground for what you need to produce is your heart. For out of it, the issues of you, out of your heart flow the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All these scripture verses come and link back power of life and death in your tongue. What you're saying on a day-to-day -day basis must be a production or produced by what's going on in your heart. And if you put the wrong stuff in your heart the wrong stuff will come out. And we know these things. I know we know these things, but I'm trying to get us to a place where we can actually have what we say and have the things that we say. And the things that we say are actually 
the word of God rather than the word of death and curse and destruction. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The great thing about what, going back to what I was saying, the word of God works mightily in me. The word of God is working inside of me. The word of God is working mightily. The word of God is working inside of me. The seed that you place into the ground, do you make it grow? If you're a gardener, when you place seed into the ground, do you make it grow? No. It's not your job to make it grow. You just put it in the right place. So if you put in the word of God in the right place, which is your heart, do you have to make it work? The battle is the Lord's and the victory is yours. So something happens when you plant seed in the right environment. The seed produces a tree, a, a vegetable, or whatever it's, it's producing. The word of God, do you not think the word of God, if it's a seed placed into the right ground, is going to pr produce what the seed is for? Does that make sense? So you put a seed of health by his stripes, I was healed, into your heart, what's it going to produce? Health. If you put the seed of financial blessing in your heart, what's it going to produce? Financial blessing. If I want apples, I don't place orange seeds in the ground. Some of us are struggling in areas in our lives because we're not putting the correct seeds in our hearts. And the seed gets planted by the words of our mouth. Our minds, where our mind gets involved is because when we speak, we are renewing our mind. If you don't speak it and don't meditate on it, your mind won't change. And if your mind doesn't change, you can get all this other stuff working and your mind misses. Like It's like if you're driving down, going down the motorway and you have your sat-nav set to the next KFC. And the sat now says, bing, 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 turn left, turn left, come off the motorway, go to KFC, and you ignore it. Are you ever going to get to that KFC if you keep ignoring the sat now? No, you can't. So if your mind doesn't want to be renewed, if your mind doesn't change, you can talk all of this stuff. He's like, this is why we talked about it. Your prosperity of your soul equals your prosperity in health and your prosperity in wealth. So your mind is a big thing to talk about. But I'm talking today about words of faith and words of life must be spoken so that when you speak it and you release your faith for it, your mind can go, yes, I'm accepting that. And you stretch your mind. So your mind might go tilt. Your mind might go, ah, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. But you say it enough times and you keep on saying it and keep on reading it. You're doing Proverbs chapter 4. I'm reading the word. I'm putting it in front of my eyes. I'm putting it in my mouth so that it gets into my heart and the seed that gets planted in my heart will produce results. You see, we can preach giving financially as seed. We can, I could say to you, constantly say, put 10 pounds in the basket and God will multiply that seed. But if you don't have the word of God concerning prosperity, putting 10 pounds into a basket does not make... It's, it's a piece of paper going into a basket. It's not a seed. 
But if you have the word of God of the seed and you have, you put that money into the basket by faith, you're hooking up with the word. The money's not the seed. The money amplifies what's happening on the inside of you. If that makes sense. Too often, it's very easy to preach, giving it shall be given, that deep pressed down together, because that is the word. But if you don't believe that word, it doesn't matter how much you give, it won't come back to you. Cast your bread on, on many waters, it says in Proverbs, and it'll come back to you on each way. But if you don't believe it, you, you, you'll be waiting for the, the money to come back on the, each wave, but you're sat in the desert. You're not in the right place. Do you see how important these things are to get right and correct and lined up? It's not easy. And this is really interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll mention it this way. Someone, you know the story where Jesus comes down off the mountain and the disciples have been trying to cast out a devil of this, this boy. And they just, oh, we can't do it. We don't know how to do it. But yet, a few chapters before, they had been given all authority to go out and do it. So they had done it before. They had cast demons out. They had healed the sick. They had raised the dead. But they couldn't get this child to be healed. And Jesus came down and he dealt with the devil. But what happened first? Before the, de- the child was set free, what happened? The child fell down and started writhing around. The devil threw him on the ground again. Yeah? I, one minister said this, and I thought it was a really good way of looking at it. The devil hasn't got any, any new tricks. So he probably had done that for the disciples time and time again. So the disciples would have taken authority over this devil, and the, and the boy would have been thrown on the ground and writhed around, and every disciple would have gone, oh, it didn't work. They spoke the word, boom, it didn't work. So then they said it didn't work. Because the devil just basically just threw something else at them in the natural and their brains got involved because they released what was necessary to, to deal with this devil. And, oh no, and of course Jesus came along and said, this kind only comes out through you basically saying they weren't in faith. You were, they were in unbelief. Because their minds saw something. So when he saw it, he just dealt with it and just moved on. He didn't have any problems with it. But this is what's, what it's saying here. And if it looks here, in verse 31. Sorry, no, verse 26 in Mark chapter 4. So is the kingdom of God as a man should cast seed into the ground. So is so's the word. And he should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow forth. He knows not how. For the earth, or your heart, brings forth fruit of herself. Let's get this. Before we finish, I want to get this point through. The earth brings forth fruit of herself. So your heart will produce the seed that you put into it. First the blade, then the ear, after the full corn in the ear. If you're a farmer and you sow a load of seed in a big, huge, massive field, and after a few months you start to see some little sprouts of grass coming up, do you get the combine harvester out? You would destroy your crop, wouldn't you? Something that small. You wait until it fully grows, and then you get the harvester out. But most Christians, or a lot of Christians, and I'm pointing the finger at me, will do this. They will sow. There'll be a little bit of a harvest, and they'll take that money that comes in and spend it, 
thinking that their abundance is already here. They might take healing, put see, and they feel a bit better. And then so, and, and they'll say, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. But yet the process of the healing hasn't fully come to pass, and then they feel pain, and they go, I'm not healed. Words of life, words of faith, must be spoken. It doesn't say words of life, words of faith, must be spoken until something changes a little bit. You keep on speaking the words of life. The words of spirit and words of truth must be continually spoken. Continually spoken. Continually spoken. Time and time and time again, we must keep these words going. Because your finances, when you give your finances, when you tithe, if you're tithing because you've just been told, well, pastor says I have to tithe, but you never get the word of tithing on the inside of your heart, written on the inside of your heart, you'll never be blessed by tithing. It will be just a chore. Nothing is impossible to the believer. Nothing is impossible. But what you cannot do is just speak the word, see a little bit of things change, and then go, yay, everything's changed. And then when something does come back, the devil throws the boy down again. The devil pops your car tire. The devil does this or that or whatever. And he just throws you off. Or even if it's not the devil, if it's just life. And we like to say the word devil because we, we like, like blaming things on the devil. But if life just comes and rattles you a little bit and you go, it doesn't work. What's working? You're having what you say. Because you've now believed what you've said at that moment. You said, it doesn't work. And when you say that and you believe that, it overrides everything that you've gone through. The seed must be in your heart. It must be continually put there. And eventually what will happen, it's like multivitamins. If you feel a bit snotty and you take a, a vitamin C tablet, and then you think, well, that's it. I'm fine now. The next day, you'll probably just be worse. And the worst day after that, you're even worse. But if you consistently take your vitamin C tablet every day, every day, every day, it builds up a resistance to things. Multivitamin tablet, it builds up a resistance. But one multivitamin tablet is not going to make you healthy and vital for the rest of your life. It's consistently eating right. Consider if you consistently, there was a guy who did a, a, a video or a film of eating McDonald's for 30 days, only McDonald's. And his body was messed up by the end of 30 days. He had no energy, he had no, because he wasn't eating the right ingredients. Now, McDonald's once isn't going to kill you. But for every single meal? So if you eat one piece of lettuce, it's not going to make you healthy. So the word of God, one word of God will change your life forever. That's what Brother Copeland always says. One word of God will change your life forever. But that word has got to get in your heart to change your life. And it's got to be continually placed in there, continually placed in there. And you're not to start to try and reap everything that God said and harvest everything that comes in the minute you see something change in something's positive. You don't go, I grab it, that's mine, that's it, and then stop doing the sowing. 
you keep sowing. You keep pointing it in there. You see a spark. You say, oh, God, God's giving me an extra 10 pounds this month. Do you want me to spend it? Do you want me to give it? Do you want me to invest it? You're constantly listening to what the Spirit of God's saying. And then your harvest starts to develop and starts to become strong. And your heart becomes cemented in this word that God has given you. Listen to this. Most Christians who are defeated in their finances are defeated because they believe and confess the wrong things. It's the same on healing. It's the same in any area. What we believe and say will affect the natural world around us. And because of time, I don't think I can finish this. We're going to have to do a part three next week. But I hope I'm laying a foundation that's clear. And we'll develop it and teach it more and, and, and kind of work on this and, and kind of talk through it because I don't want any of us to get to the end of their lives and, and everything that they've done gets burnt up because it's their own idea and not God's. If you can focus on the word of God in your mouth, in your mind, and in your heart, your path becomes crooked, path becomes straight. If you can imagine yourself living aside of all your feelings and emotions and the situations and circumstances that are spinning around when the car falls apart and, and you need to pay the MOT and you need to do the car insurance or someone runs a red light and they get a ticket and all the, these things that go on in our lives, if, they, if you allow those to shake you, you're never going to grow and expand and do the call of God for your life. Unfortunately, this is the case. When a baby is born, he's looked after his parents by his parents. He's spoon-fed, he's cleaned up, he's diapered, all that kind of stuff. But there comes a time when that child needs to be let go of his parents and allowed to go and experiment in his life and do what, God, what he's allowed to do. He, he actually feeds himself pays his own bills. It's the same as a Christian. You may get born again and have an easy life for a short period of time because people are looking after you, encouraging you. But when all that fades away because people are just used to you being you, you need to know how to stir yourself up in the Word of God and take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for the plan that God has for you. Hallelujah. God is behind you. God backs you. But he's backing what you say and what you correspondingly do to what the word of God has told you to do. Faith with corresponding action is alive. Every single one of us in this place is servant-hearted, committed to this message, committed to this church, and the vision that what, what God's put on Pastor Joel and every, Pastor Evie's heart. To see churches filled with the word, filled with the spirit, planted and growing in every location possible in the northwest and northeast of England. There's more churches to come. And there's more believers to come. 
signs, wonders, and miracles. Revival is on its way. But there's some groundwork that needs to be done. The end of times is fast upon us. And I can just only say thank you for people in this room for sticking at it. Thank you for watching on the broadcast. If you're watching on the broadcast, share it. Tell people about it. Come join. Tell people to join us next week. We've got loads of things to get done in this church and in Preston. We will not see Preston short or dry of the river of God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Well, we just give you all the glory, Father, today. We know that you have given us wealth instead of poverty, health instead of sickness. You have given us everything that you have provided. And we thank you, Father God, for it. And we thank you that you are doing a great work in this place and in our lives and in our hearts. And we commit this day to you. Hallelujah. And we commit this broadcast to you. We commit this word to you. And we expect to have a good time in your presence this week.